This episode of The Interface, I speak with Julie Hoban, Global Compliance Director for the Amphenol Industrial Products Group. Julie has been with Amphenol since 2010, first at Amphenol Alden before moving to the industrial group. We talk about a formative experience early in her career that made her realize the true potential her job has to change lives. We talk about her current role and her enthusiasm for helping the industrial team expand while avoiding obstacles. We talk about her time working for Polaroid and teaching herself Braille so she could read in dark rooms. And we talk about her desert island music, hint, it's her clarinet, book, and movie, of course, to learn Italian. This is The Interface. And a quick note, we will be off next Friday, and our next episode of The Interface will return on December 4th. So, Julie, first of all, thank you for doing this today. But I just wanted to introduce you and everything you do to a larger audience because I think uh, what you do is is pretty fascinating and uh, you have quite the important job here at Amphenol. So just briefly describe as we start here, your job is quality and compliance director for you know AIPG, the industrial products group. Yeah. So it's, uh, thank you, Chris, sure. for such a wonderful introduction and, and really an opportunity to be here and, and kind of connect again with your audience. Um, one of the, the best parts of this terrible challenge that we're all dealing with has been the opportunity to connect across a lot of the, the organizational you know, group uh, fences that normally exist to really right. connect a lot of bunch of, a, a whole slew of Amphenolians. It feels like going to a family reunion and meeting cousins you've never even known you have. Good so way of putting it, yeah. That's been, that's been quite an honor and privilege. So I probably have the least descriptive title because it, there are days where it bears no resemblance to what I'm doing, mm -hmm. but um, officially I'm responsible and look after compliance and inclusive in that is quality for the industrial products group for Amphenol. And I kind of came to that role um, a few years ago having been with Amphenol Alden Products mm -hmm. as the director of quality for their organization. Right. What would be a typical day in the life of Julie? Or is there a typical day? I would say there is very, very little typical about any of my days. The content, and this is really where I think, you know, I've always maintained that while some see um, careers and specialization in quality mm -hmm. and particularly in compliance, um, I have a different perspective because while some see it as very, very strict, very narrowly defined, very regulation-based, and certainly that component is very much a part of these functions, I see a slightly different side of it. And that's the opportunity to bring impact through these topics, but at an enterprise level mm -hmm. and, you know, really drive business through quality. So they're really a tool through compliance. They're really a tool toward pursuing a much more broad arc across all facets of business. And, you know, it was early in my career uh, as a young, you know, younger person entering the workforce um, where quality was really part of my everyday responsibility. I had no function called quality. It was just a, mm -hmm. a responsibility that we all maintained. But through that, that effort and using quality as a tool, I was able to really have a fairly broad and wide and sustained impact across 
you know, a more, you know, kind of evolved set of, of business opportunities. And I've really, you know, tracked in that direction throughout the rest of my career. So although my functional specificity is in these areas, I've always enjoyed them because they created such a broad brush of, you know, diversity in the kind of tasks I was responsible for, the people that I would be interfacing with, the impact I could have across an organization or on business at large. And and that to me was the most exciting part. I think I would have gotten really bored really quickly had it been a very narrowly defined and very too specific type of function. Sometimes, and I'm just using this as a Uh, an example, quality can be looked at in a myopic point of view, right, as a necessary evil. I know you don't take it that way, and I don't either. I think, you know, those of us that can broaden our our minds a little bit, see, see how important this is. But how personal do you take this in order to help open people's minds to why this is so important, not only for themselves, but the business? Yeah, so... All the business books you read and all the leadership books you read say don't take stuff personally, right? You've mm-hmm. got to understand that. And there's there's good advice buried in there. But I would say that I have always considered this a personal mission. Mm-hmm. And to that extent, I, you know, I really do take a lot of what I contribute toward personally. I use the example and and this uh this is often something that that comes with emotion, you mm-hmm. know, when I talk about it for new engineers joining a quality team and for, you know, those of us who have been around for a long time. You know, I had an experience once where I was a part of a quality systems team at a medical device organization. Uh, we had a customer care center on campus. Calls were coming in regarding product that was under recall by a physician and surgeon who was about to go operate on a nine-month-old baby Mm -hmm. to remove an implanted device that was under recall. And my job, because I happened to be in the right spot at the right time, was to run a mile (laughs) as fast as I could. Fortunately, I was much younger and more (laughs) spry and, you know, look up various records that would contribute to our ability to feel confident he could go in and and do what he needed to do without risk. And, you know, I think that moment, something really clicked in me where, you know, this function of quality, particularly, you know, the connection to the medical side of quality, made me realize that Somewhere along the line, we have an opportunity to significantly change for the better someone's life who will never know who we were and who we will never know who they are. And, you know, I carry that with me every day. I carried that moment with me the nights that you'd be looking over records, looking for one last thing to make sure was correct or taking another round through a gauge study that had gone south and we needed to improve or whatever it might be, that person is counting on you whether they can articulate it or not. And that's the personal connection. And I think that when you can have that kind of personal impact on the community and your customer base at large, what an incredible inspiration and what an incredible responsibility. And, you know, to me, I would say most definitely, without question, I take these roles 
personally, because I think that responsibility is an important one to bear. And um, you never know who that person on the other end of it is going to be. That could be one of us one day, and we would be appreciating the very same care. So, you know, I often uh, share that very story with new, young, impressionable engineers joining the team to help encourage them. Because there are moments where, boy, this can be, you know, a little bit more detail than everyone wants to take. And there are moments when, you know, people might um, have a different perspective about the function and might see it as a, as a hindrance to, you know, pursuing business. And, uh, and I think that really the magic is in helping both sides of that type of perspective find the opportunity in, you know, considering how much of an impact we can really have. So going back to that time when you could run a mile a little bit quicker, <laughs> a younger Julie. What drove you to this field? Uh, was it something that you were always interested in through high school and even college, or did you just kind of slowly migrate towards this field? How did this start? Yeah, I, I would say a little of both. Okay. Um, so I knew from a pretty young age that I was interested in engineering. My dad was an engineer. I had some fantastic um, mentors and role models and coaches along the way in high school. Had a had a love and passion for math from yeah. the time I can remember. I mean, crazy, crazy lover of math. That and makes so, one of us. <laughs> You know, my favorite thing when my dad would get home from work would be to run to the door and say, Daddy, Daddy, you're home. And uh, he would sit down and write math problems out and we would work out, work them out together. That was our bonding time. And um, and so, you know, that real spirit and love for math and then science really kind of just kept on compounding as I got older. So going toward engineering was a natural path, um, chemical engineering in particular, which was not the natural path toward getting to an electronic interconnect company, but uh, I did manage to get there along the way. Started off with uh, Polaroid and um, spent about 16 years making chemicals and moving chemicals from one part of a plant to another and then coating chemicals on a very high speed, um, thin film coating operation, all in total darkness. And, uh, and then kind of moving from there into some of the medical space through work that we did toward the end of, you know, utilization of assets at, at Polaroid that brought us into medical devices, believe it or not. Took a bit of a side detour into robotics, which also kind of opened up a passion for, for me and robots. One of my favorite secret pictures that may or may not exist is a picture I have of myself and Martin Booker while I'm wearing a robot costume. So feel free to share it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, really had an opportunity to kind of get back to some of that medical um, space through coming to Alden. And that's really where I was able to not just get to Alden as an organization, um, but also get to Amphenol as a real new home. Mm -hmm. And uh, and 10 years later, here I am. 
So let me go back to Polaroid for a second. So you you spent quite a bit of time there, and you, I sure had. Yeah, yeah, and the part that piqued my interest when you said it is that you were doing all this work in total darkness. Explain that for me. How does how does that work? Yeah. So so not every aspect of the job was in total darkness, but our product was light sensitive. We were making negative yeah. for Polaroid film, and as most people know, you keep negative in the dark. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I remember my room. days in dark rooms in photography class. Yeah, sure. It was like a great big dark room. Yeah. So, um so what was interesting is uh I had spent a fair amount of my early years teaching myself braille and uh working with the blind. And so being in total darkness was kind of second nature to me because I did a lot of it, you know, just to to try and pace what people that I was spending time with um, had as their experience. So that part was very familiar, but we also got to use some cool technology. We all had night vision goggles and felt like we were, you know, kind of like secret agents running around the place. (laughs) Special forces at Polaroid special forces. Yeah. Well, we, we had a big military. There were a lot of chemical engineers that had come out of the United States Navy. So, um, so it, I think there was a little bit of that going on as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like your experience leading up to Amphenol, it, it varied quite a bit with Polaroid to robotics and then into medical devices. How much has that helped you since you've now been at Amphenol where, you know, I think at first you just started in the medical facility, but now you've certainly branched into, into all sorts of different uh, avenues and industries. How much has that benefited you so far? Sure. I, I say, you know, probably the, the majority of it, but, but um, there was a small portion of time after I had finished uh, business school that I went off and left Polaroid for a time and worked as a management consultant for a strat firm. Okay. And, you know, that was, although it was a, a short stint and, and I ultimately came back to Polaroid, what was interesting about that was it was the time that I completely pulled away from a lot of the technical responsibility I had and plugged into strictly kind of how are businesses driving profitability? How are businesses working? And so it was through this that I kind of built up this other building block that was, you know, missing from a strictly technical discipline, which is where I had largely spent a number of years and kind of put it together with how do you run a business? How do you make a business successful? How do you engage teams? You know, how do you suddenly now influence an organization that you're coming in as a consultant of all things, you know, so there's no formal reporting structure that, that kind of helps you get things done and really enable, you know, positive outcomes in a way that would drive the business forward. So, you know, Polaroid was a wonderful company. We were in a very, very unusual, then dying market. So we were pivoting everywhere we could. You know, it was learning how to manage in a very chaotic uh, kind of environment. And that alone was its own boot camp. It was its own understanding of how to, you know, be very, very conscious and economical at the same time, you know, driving technology forward, even when, the, when there were a lot of headwinds against you. 
But I think when I was able to put it together with the management experience and then kind of bring that newer, more evolved perspective as a business leader, you know, it's not technology for technology's sake, but as an enabler of, you know, moving forward in a business environment. A more holistic um, view. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That really, in essence, colored in everything that you had been doing previous to that, to where when you stepped into the role at Amphenol, it all kind of made sense and, and gelled much easier. Exactly. And I, and I think that's one of the, you know, joyful and, and true opportunities of Amphenol. I mean, we may have functional specificity in our various roles, mm -hmm. but, you know, particularly with regard to, you know, our entrepreneurial focus as a company, I mean, the sky's the limit. Even a smaller group like AIPG is, is kind of mighty in that regard. And, you know, one of the most wonderful things having an opportunity to work with Martin and his team has been, you know, to inspire all of that, you know, kind of the fire in the belly and go after those markets and, and go after those great big dreams, right? The big audacious goals. At the same time, always being mindful of making sure that you're still relevant, that you're having an impact in a positive way that balances all of the considerations that good, healthy, responsible business need to have. And so, you know, I think with, with a strict technology focus, you might lose some of that perspective, but that balanced approach really enables you to understand that story much more innately and then, you know, carry forward much more rapidly. As you broaden your market or industry view now in your role, what are some of the the big challenges for you as this progresses? Well, I certainly, you know, can appreciate um, a whole host of challenges, right? The, the competitive landscape isn't getting easier. You know, going after markets that are, you know, growing as well as lucrative for us also carry a very, very significant amount of responsibility with regard to reliability and performance, right? You, uh, you have to respect the technology, you know, physics dictates <laughs> when all else fails and, and understanding that and being able to guard against that, but not guard against, you know, the opportunity to go after it. It's right. just making sure that you're examining risks where they might occur. So, kind of going in with all of that momentum, but also at the same time, looking out ahead on the horizon to see what do we need to be mindful of to kind of avoid in our path. And, you know, later later uh, next week, I'll be sharing some thoughts about risk management during our sustainabilities uh, meetings for the Americas sessions that Erica Frank and her team are hosting presently. And, you know, the responsibility of risk management is everyone's, but often the details to kind of address any deltas from proper risk management are often found in compliance and quality. Yeah. And so, you know, being being at the forefront of that and also on the back end of that with when necessary makes you really good at looking everywhere, you know, kind of having this very long-term, very arced perspective in terms of what is on the horizon? What is coming? What are the factors that will change your calculus along the way? And being able to, you know, quickly respond where you need to. And so I think that's our biggest challenge is, is oftentimes it's being able to quantify that which we don't know. You're like a scout, like a lookout. 
Absolutely. You, you know, I've used that word, right? Yeah. These are, and, and oftentimes what's interesting is the people who can be the most appropriate lookouts for that risk are the ones who bring a very different perspective. So, you know, it taps into another side of what is part of the passion I have when I, when I come into any of my organizations, but, you know, being, being uh, sort of a, a non-traditional engineer from a gender standpoint, you know, bringing diversity into that space is incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. People who think differently from, you know, everyone else in the lineup are going to see things differently. They will bring a voice to considerations that might have been otherwise missed. And so, you know, I think on any team, making sure that we actively tap into that is going to make us better at taking an examination of what that risk ahead is. So, you know, whether that diversity comes in just what schools we've gone to and how we've been educated formally, what our life experiences might have been, uh, what kind of metaphors we tune into. I'll never use sports metaphors. (laughs) I use musical metaphors. Um, You know, that all of that matters. And I think that, you know, again, I think as an organization, we're, we're really, you know, starting to take a new, Uh, turn a new page in that chapter. And we recognize that across the company. And so again, within AIPG, that's one of the most exciting parts of of my job. We have an incredibly diverse, culturally diverse, uh, geographically diverse, and, you know, just in terms of our team personality and dynamics uh, diversity, we really cover a lot of space and it's together that breadth of space that we cover that we can look out in lots of different ways. But all those eyes are lookouts, like you say. You know, getting to know you over the last eight months or so that you and I have worked together, uh, especially for the, the frontline uh, COVID team, I know how passionate you are with all this and with your role and, and your impact on the company. Why do you love it so much? I think um, it's a human thing. I I consider, you know, the work that we're doing on Frontline kind of the great Amphenol humanitarian effort. Yeah. You know, when I compare what we're doing as an organization to what other companies might be doing, and it's not to discredit what they are not doing, but I... I am incredibly proud and incredibly honored to be part of this because I think it is truly a testament to our leadership for making sure this is a priority. And it's also an opportunity to, you know, take care of each other. At the end of the day, we are people Mm -hmm. making this business move forward and taking good care of each other and, and in whatever big or small way we can is, um, is a real privilege. So, you know, that's what makes me excited about it because if we can help, it kind of goes back to that. You never know what type of impact you're going to have. There may be someone somewhere along the line whose, you know, situation we have made a little bit better, a little bit safer, and maybe not just for them, but for their family as well. And they will never know all of the, you know, onboarding calls we've done for Ubuntu. <laughs> devices and yeah. they won't ever understand all of the other, you know, details that have been discussed and covered. That's okay. We don't want them to have to worry about that. Right. We just want them to have a better and more positive experience. And I think that, you know, I kind of liken it to this, as I say, great Amphenol humanitarian effort. So. Okay. We'll get away from work now. 
Um, <laughs> we'll get into more what makes Julie tick outside of work. So in your free time, what do you, what does Julie Hoban do when, you know, on the handful of minutes during the day and during the week where she's not working? Yeah. So let's see. I was going to say what free time? Ha ha. Right. Yes. Because um, I, I teed I, you up um, a little bit there. I know. I know. <laughs> So I would say my best and most important job, um, you know, kind of in life and in love and family is, is being a wife and mother yeah. and daughter to my mom, who's now 81. We're very fortunate to have her. And so that keeps me busy because I really enjoy being home, you know, with, with, a, with a job that often brings you away, yeah. having a chance to spend a little bit more time and see a few more of those day-to-day moments has truly been a joy and, and um, the, the silver lining in an otherwise difficult cloud for everyone during last year or so. But if I'm not helping out with geometry or biology at the moment <laughs> yeah. with homework time, I have always enjoyed uh, crafts. So I'm very hand, I like making things. I'm mm-hmm. really into making stuff. And uh, so I relax with knitting. Okay. And I have done that since I was a little kid. I also really love playing the clarinet, which I have also done since I was pretty small. Please tell me you have it right there, ready to go. Oh, I don't. Oh. <laughs> that would have been great. I can go get it, but I don't <laughs> No, I won't put you on the spot like that. <laughs> so I started playing when I was eight years old, and uh, I you know, just kept playing and playing and playing. And I was kind of the only kid in my uh, youth symphony I played in who didn't go to music school. I was this rogue engineer. And, uh, it, but it's always been a passion and I've always kept playing. And when my daughter picked up her instrument, which is flute, it kind of re-inspired me. Yeah. And so I don't have a lot of time and I don't have as much, you know, kind of work time to be able to work on repertoire and mechanics like I used to, but it's always something I've come back to and really enjoy. So both playing as well as listening. So I guess that segues nicely into the last bit that we always, uh, we've been doing here for the last few episodes. So, and I, I haven't, I purposely have not looked at what, uh, you sent me some notes here and I purposely did not look. So I wanted to see what you'd say and be, be surprised on here. So you're stuck on a deserted island by yourself. You don't have internet access now, so you can't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. I want to save you there. And you can bring with you, or you have with you, one album or musical artist or something. Who would that be? And what would so that I'm be? So gonna, I'm going to answer your question about an album a little differently than you might expect. I would bring family photo albums. Oh, you're going to go physical. Okay. Okay. All right. So oh, I'm kidding off the word album, not uh, necessarily. All right. You, so I'm going to have to revise this question moving forward then. <laughs> Say music and I album. Would, I would do that because, you know, they're kind of moments yeah. in time that yeah. are just so special and precious. And, um, so, you know, that I would, I would bring photo albums, but I wouldn't be absent music. So it would be, if you brought music, what would it be? So the book that I would bring, because you also right, asked yes. me what yep. would I would bring. Sure, so I'd bring, go in whatever order I would you want. Bring, and now, of course, I have to also bring my clarinet, but <laughs> I would bring my big book of, like, clarinet 
repertoire music. Yeah. And okay. so all of the pieces that I have played for auditions or worked on for concert performance, right? Over the years, I'm working presently on Brahms because I'm finally old enough to be able to play Brahms legitimately. <laughs> and uh, my clarinet instructor when I was a much younger kid didn't feel Brahms was appropriate when I was 14. So I worked on Mozart when I was 14. Now I can graduate to Brahms. Anyhow, I would bring my big book of repertoire and yeah. I would have my clarinet and I could keep myself quite entertained. And in terms of other tasks that I could get done or ways to entertain myself, on a deserted island, I'm sure I could find some sticks in vine and I would figure out a way to knit. So that part would. <laughs> of course you would. How about a movie? If you could have one movie with you, what would that be? All right. So this movie, you have to understand there are two versions of this movie and there's only one that matters for me. It's the original version of Cinema Paradiso. Okay. Not translated, so it's yeah. subtitled. It's in Italian, it's, right? And it's scored by Ennio Morricone. And his yeah. music, if you're familiar with it, is yep. Spaghetti a little schmaltzy, a little schmaltzy. But I would love that movie. I could teach myself Italian, <laughs> and I could hear the music, and I'd be happy. I knew I'd get great answers out of you for this. So I appreciate that. That's great. Well, listen, Julie, I, I thank you again for taking time to do this today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, my best to you and the family as we approach the holiday season here. And I know I'll be talking to you soon anyhow. So thank you again. Thank you, Chris. And for everything you do, I appreciate it. And uh, want to say thank you for helping bring us together today. So have a great weekend and a great holiday to you and yours as well. Thank you.